Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond Busy, the show where we talk productivity, work-life balance and happiness. This episode is featuring Matt Burt. Matt is the founder of the Songs in Seven podcast, one of the top podcasts in Canada. And uh, as the last couple of episodes, I interviewed him on my recent trip over to North America. So uh, if you've ever been involved in anything creative, you'll know that deadlines can really focus the mind. And a great way of overcoming resistance and, and create an artistic habit is to put it into some kind of routine, which really negates the need for the thing to be perfect, but allows you to meet the schedule and constantly have that discipline of, of being creative the whole time. So Matt's idea with the Songs in Seven podcast was to write, record and release a new song that he'd written every seven days. Um, outside of the podcast, Matt has had a pretty interesting year and really gets into a lot of the themes that I wanted to talk about in the Beyond Busy podcast. Um, he's a, a bit of a career crossroads. He was employed in the media industry, uh, made redundant after about a decade and was already someone who was doing his own thing, albeit in a sort of non-commercial way yet, but obviously very aware that he has the skills to go out on his own and branch out on his own away from being on a big corporate career ladder. So at a bit of a career crossroads, and I didn't know that when I approached him, I just wanted to uh, interview him because we'd come across the podcast, but actually just it was perfect. The fact that it was also him sort of ruminating over these sort of various issues. Should he go back to corporate life and get another steady job in the media industry? Should he do something with Songs in Seven and, and monetize that to make that his living? Should he do something else in music or something else along those lines? So really, really interesting conversation. I think you're going to really enjoy this one. And I joined Matt at his beautiful home in Woodbine, which is in the Toronto suburbs. Uh, and in Matt's front room, there's a huge picture and it says, take a sad song and make it better. So I started by asking Matt about the Beatles. I'm a huge Beatles fan and I knew that I had a, a famous British author coming over. <laughs> so I put up all my English homages that I could all over the house. Yeah, that's a friend of ours did that for us actually as a thanks for dog sitting for her. And we've had it up for like five years. I like it. Oh, it's a nice little good. one of a kind touch. So I came across your podcast, Songs in Seven. Um, why don't we start with just you just telling us the premise of that podcast and how it works. Sure. Okay. So the podcast is, uh, the, the idea behind it is that I write and record and release a brand new original song every seven days. Hence the name Songs in Seven. So essentially I'm starting from scratch every Monday and I'm going to record a song. I'm going to play all the instruments, guitar, drums, bass, sing, keys, and I'm going to put something out on Sunday night. Yeah. And uh, so I did that for 28 weeks in a row, about <laughs> six months straight without missing a week. And it was, uh, it was crazy and it was awesome and it was challenging and... Uh, it was very rewarding. Uh, but yeah, so that was the basic premise was I thought, I yeah. want to get something out. This is going to force me to produce something if I sort of do this publicly declared deadline where I'm accountable you know, to, a, to an audience. It's going to make me do it every week. That was the idea behind it. Yeah, and as an author, I think the idea of having publicly declared deadlines and accountability immediately just made me think, that's a good productivity technique right there, particularly around something that's creative and I think sometimes it can be very easy to procrastinate over something like songwriting and, and creative pursuits like that right yeah that's exactly it and that was sort of where where it came from was I I thought well I've got I've got songwriting ideas and I've I can sit down and play anytime I want to but I haven't really been doing that 
Yeah. And, and, you know, it's amazing how you'll, you'll keep saying tomorrow, tomorrow, tomorrow. And suddenly, you know, two years has gone by since you've been in a band and you haven't done anything yeah. musical. And you yeah. go, well, why is that? So I was talking to my, my fiance, Amy, who happens to be a clown yeah. and <laughs> for real, you know, and, and an actor. But predominantly her main role is that she's a, a clown. And, and for her, because I was always impressed by her work ethic and her drive and how productive they were and how much they got done. Mm. And she told me that her secret wasn't just that she was somehow innately that much more motivated or driven. It was that, you know, you sort of, you set these, these public deadlines you set, and then you're accountable. So, for example, if they had a show and it was going to be on at the theater from May 12th to May 31st, they had to have a show ready for May 12th. Maybe when right. they signed up for that, they didn't have a show written. But, you know, you, you put it out there and then you, you have to meet that. And so I, I sort of took uh, a lot of inspiration from that where it was like, okay, you know, the night I launched the podcast, I thought, wow, what am I getting into here? This is, I'm signing up for, you know, this is going to be pretty hardcore lifting for the next little while. But I, I'm so glad that I did it. And that was the, I, that was really the motivator behind it was that I, I, I had to, I told everybody I was going to. Yeah. And I was going to ask you about that because when... When I did episode zero of Beyond Busy, which yeah. was the episode where I just explain what the podcast is all about, I tell the story of the boy who's uh, walking down the street and one day, every day he looks at this wall and he thinks, I really want to climb the wall. And then one day he throws his cap over the wall. And it's when he throws his cap over the wall that it's this moment of like, now I'm committed because I can't go home and not have my cap and my mum will drive me That's crazy right. if I don't have it. So the thing about making such a public declaration with songwriting as well is that that must be doubly daunting because there'll be weeks where maybe just an idea doesn't doesn't come so how did you spend a long time musing over even the idea of launching it before you launched it or was it just like a really instinctive let's get started as soon as you heard that from amy was it like go i think i had to do the the instinctive go approach because i tend to analyze i tend to you know i think about things a lot i do pros and cons. I'm sort of, I'm very, very analytical in that sense. And, and part of the point of this was actually to jump outside of my comfort zone on purpose yeah. and almost not be analytical about it where I said, yeah, uh, you know, of course, for a moment, probably some voice in my head said, you know, this is going to be really, this is crazy what you're signing up for here. And then I just, I p powered through that and said, yes, I know it is. Yeah. But for once, I'm just going to try to, you know, dive in and, and uh, not really think about all that stuff. Yeah. And I'm sure that it will work itself out. And that isn't always how I have approached things. So for me, that was kind of refreshing, kind of exciting and kind of scary all at the same time. But that was, that was really the whole point was yeah. that I, I wasn't going to dip my toes in and sort of slide into the water gently. I, I felt like I'd been doing that a little too much. So I just, I dove in. Yeah. And you've just done 28 weeks of doing that. So every week, writing a song, recording the song, releasing it as a podcast. Uh, and uh, the songs are great, by the way, I have to say. Thanks, man. I've listened to quite a few of them. Cheers. And um, I'm just wondering if there were weeks in that process where you were just, you know, you had no ideas, you were tearing your hair out. Like, tell me about the low times in, in, in that challenge that you set yourself. For sure. I mean, I, I think that's a really interesting part of, of songwriting is that, you know, there are a couple of different schools of, of approaching it. And one is that you can sort of wait for you know, divine inspiration, the, the creative muse to just strike you out of nowhere. And, and sometimes that actually does happen where, you know, just for whatever reason, you get a great lyric in your head or you get a great lick in your head mm. and you're like, okay, well, that's here. I'm going to go sit down with my guitar and I'm going to, I'm going to get this out. But that doesn't happen all the time. And when I was, you know, doing a, a new song every seven days, it didn't matter whether that was happening that week or not. I had to get something out. So to your point, I mean, there were certainly times where 
I would sit down not feeling particularly creative or inspired and I was like okay I got to bank something out here and I might sit down for a couple of hours on a Tuesday and there was just nothing really flowing I'd record some stuff and then I'd be like ah this isn't really doing it for me come back the next night and for whatever reason things are clicking a lot better that night so I don't think you can really explain it it's sort of that mysterious ingredient x that you don't you, there's no real rhyme or reason to it it's it's interesting it's probably the way an athlete can have an off night on the basketball court or just be on fire yeah you know kobe dropped 60 points in his last game of his career last night he's he's in the zone he's just mm-hmm. dialed in right and there's other nights where you get out there and you're just not feeling it and i don't know if you can explain why but certainly there were times where i was sitting there and it was friday night and i, I was 48 hours away from having to have something out and there's a thousand people waiting for it, and I'm going, uh, geez, I, I, I got nothing here. But that, that was sort of the adventure for me was, you know, like I was having to come up with something. And so I would just dig a little bit deeper. And of course, there were, I don't think there were any songs that I look back and think that's a really bad song. But there were, there were weeks where I thought the songs were, were better than others. Yeah, but I yeah. think that's interesting, you know, is that I, the main thing for me was that I got something out every week. Completely. Was I never yeah. said, you know, I couldn't really do it this week, guys. I, I got nothing for you. It was, yeah. I, I got a three-minute tune out the, out the door. And never anything that I wasn't proud of. But the main thing was the doing. Yeah. Almost more so than, than what it was. it was. It was the doing. Yeah, and I yeah. want to talk to you about perfection in a, in a moment. But I, I was just wondering if there was any... Sunday mornings where you woke up and you're like there's nothing yet and you know and, and also I suppose the other part of that is for the rest of that week leading up to that those Friday nights Sunday mornings whatever uh was that following you around I mean were you thinking okay I've got to have something I've got to have something like did it nag you yes <laughs> <laughs> I mean also I was trying to balance you know I, I I wanted to have a social life at the same time so I'm trying to hang out with my friends I'm trying to see my family yeah. and, and, and spend quality time with Amy and take the dog for a walk and do all the household stuff you have yeah. to do and at least for the first you know three months of the podcast I was also working 40 hours a week so it was it was uh, there were definitely times where it was it was it was always kind of here just dangling yeah, in the back of my yeah, mind you yeah, know yeah. if I'm out I with friends that. on a Wednesday night having beers and I don't have anything written yet I'm sort of stuck. Okay, what am I doing tomorrow night? Do I have tomorrow night open? No, I don't. Oh God. Okay, it's going to be Friday. And you know, to your first question, yes, there were many Sundays where I I woke up and I th- I thought, okay, we got to do something here today. And even the episode ten, I believe it was, which was where I wrote a a love song for Amy and I proposed to her during the podcast. Right. Uh, and so that was the most listened to episode of the whole series <laughs> by far. And even even that morning, Amy was out of town doing a gig and I woke up and I, I wanted it to be spontaneous and I wanted it to be sort of passionate. So I, I went and I, I laid that down that day and that night. She said she was going to be home at 9.30 from this out of town gig and I... Uh, have to put the podcast out before midnight that was my rule yeah. so it's about eleven thirty. she's calling me she has no idea that i'm gonna propose she's like hey i'm just out with some friends i'm gonna be a little bit late i'm like all right what time are we thinking here and uh so she got home at i think eleven thirty. i was like hey can you just come listen to this real quick and uh it all worked out well but definitely there were there were a lot of sundays where i was where i was just going oh my god what have you done but uh and then there were other weeks where i i uh, you know, even towards the later part of the podcast where I started trying to tackle it earlier in the week because I realized mm-hmm. I was getting stressed as Friday and Saturday were yeah. coming. I was getting increasingly more stressed as the week went along if I had nothing. So I thought, well, why am I waiting till Wednesday to start? Let's try banging it out on Monday or Tuesday and then coasting the rest of the week, which I did a yeah. couple of times too. Right. Okay. Right. And, it's, and so that's like, 
I'd imagine the momentum of getting the thing out there on Sunday at midnight, you know, you wake up on Monday morning feeling really satisfied that you did your job. Absolutely. And it's, it's another week where you kept that chain going and everything else. Yes. So if you can ride on the coattails of that, sometimes psychologically that that's the momentum to, For to sure. follow, isn't it? Right? For sure. Rather than like, okay, that's done. And now I'll start nagging myself for the whole week until Friday. Yeah. I mean, there were times where I would probably rest on my laurels a little bit. I'd be mm. like, ah, oh, that feels good. And then suddenly it's Thursday, you know? But, uh, and I mean, that is, uh, at the end of the day, that is, uh, I mean, about three months into the podcast, I ended up losing my job. I was part of a big, a big layoff at this, at a major Canadian media company. Um, so then all of a sudden I had 40 extra hours a week to work on it. Mm. But it's interesting, you know, it, I didn't necessarily find that I, it's amazing how you find a way to fill time with things. Yeah. So I didn't necessarily feel like I have all the time in the world now. It still <laughs> felt like it was sometimes coming down to the wire, which is interesting. But, and then I continued to work on it for three months after that. And then, you know, one of the reasons I, I ended up wrapping it up is, is just, I thought, well, geez, I guess I should start you know, as cool as it was to be getting listenership and sort of be getting these neat accolades and compliments, and that was so fun and, and flattering, it was also like I, I probably need to start doing something that I'm going to get paid for. <laughs> uh, so I, you know, it was a little bit heartbreaking to end it, of course. But I thought, uh, you know, I, I've got a, I've always had a mix of the creative and the practical, mm. and for a while I was allowed to sort of embrace my creative side there, and then the practical sort of started yeah. creeping in from the side. You know. So let's let's talk about that then. So. Uh, episode is it twenty eight? Yeah, is the final one, and your your show notes for it are quite interesting. And then the the podcast itself, there's it's definitely tinged with sadness. So you're ending it, but then you're not necessarily that happy about ending it. On the, you don't sound that happy about ending it on the on the one hand, and then on the other hand, you're saying, okay, time to do something different. I'll be back and doing another podcast or some kind of other musical project in a, in another, another guise. So just tell me about that decision to to let go of what seemingly is a really good thing, right? Yeah. Uh, I, I mean, I, I definitely went back and forth on it a lot, and I had thought about doing it uh, before that a few times, and then I, I sort of powered through that a couple of times. I mean, definitely just the, the demand and the, the, the lift of sort of the creativity required of, like, you know, writing lyrics that you want to think are good and want yeah. to be able to stand by, writing a new song, you know, and I'm not complaining it's just like obviously that is that is you know a fair bit of work each week and balancing that with with a social life and with maybe starting to try to look for a new a new gig yeah a new job um you know i i it just sort of got to the point where i was like well this this is you know this is most of what i do with my week and i love it and if somebody magically came up to me tomorrow and said you know i'll pay you fifty thousand dollars a year just to do this i'd say amazing i can keep doing this then yeah it was sort of that 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 uh that practical side of me that was creeping in. But, but that's interesting because I mean, I, I through Amy, you know, I, I have so many friends who are actors and performers and, and I, many of my friends are musicians and there's this very interesting dynamic. I guess it's a little bit of the grass is always greener thing where, you know, when I had my nine to five job, I sort of looked at them yeah. longingly over the fence. <laughs> like, oh, what a, you know, you, you tend to romanticize it and you sentimentalize it. And, and yeah. I was looking at them go, oh, they're on tour and they get to, they're doing exactly what they want every day. They wake up and they're doing what they're passionate about and they're on stage entertaining and, oh, that must be so magical. And, and some of them, uh, you know, I later find out are probably looking over at my side of the fence going, oh, he's got benefits and paid vacation <laughs> and regular paychecks. Yeah. And obviously the best of, the best of both worlds would be the ultimate where you can be doing exactly what you love and getting paid well for it. Mm. And I do have a few friends who are in the entertainment biz who are doing that. But certainly for, 
for a lot of us, you know, we're sort of uh, looking at the other side and, and wondering what that's like. But it's been interesting to to realize that because as recently as today, I was reading an article in an in Intermission magazine, which is this new online magazine about Toronto's uh, theater scene, and they did an interview with this excellent Toronto actress named Christine Horn, and she was talking about. So she's very respected and, and, and talented, and she was talking about how the the week that she was on the cover of Now magazine which is a very popular weekly Toronto mag about arts and culture, she was struggling to pay her rent. Mm. And so she said sort of the outside perception of what her career was and what her life was, was very different than the day-to-day reality, the day-to-day struggle that she was going through. So in some ways, I think we're all walking around thinking we have an idea of what somebody else's life is like or thinking what their lifestyle is like. And really, we probably don't. I can vouch Um, for that guy. I went to the Toronto Blue Jays last night. Yeah. uh, I didn't have a ticket, so I walked up there and uh, managed to score a ticket off this guy. And he uh, he he gave me the ticket for a little bit less than the face value. And then he's like, oh, what are you doing in town? I was like, oh, I'm an author. I've got this book. And he said, oh, I should have charged you more for the ticket. And I <laughs> yeah, was like, don't you know? Like, well, you know, authors don't all, all earn millions. But he thinks, yeah, he thinks books, you're, right? you know, <laughs> he thinks you're, you're absolutely loaded, right? But yeah, it's funny. We have all these associations. And I guess so my, my very long way of answering your question is that the my my creative and practical sides Mm. you know and i'm sort of hoping there's this part of the venn diagram that overlaps that's this big place that i can eventually land but i started thinking to myself this is awesome but it's taking up a lot of my focus a lot of my concentration i'm enjoying it immensely but it's not going to be paying the bills anytime soon that said i mean i i I, the, the experience I got was so valuable. I loved hosting. I felt more and more comfortable with each passing show. Like yeah. I know I can do that now, you know, and, and it, it felt great. So I'm, I'm eager to sort of move on to the next creative venture, but I'm trying to figure out what that's going to be. And is there a way that I can monetize that? Or is there a way that I can make a living doing that? Even if it's, uh, I'm making a lot less than I was at my job. I actually would probably be at peace with that if I can feel like I wake up every day and I'm, I'm doing something that I love. Yeah, um, and I do yeah. have friends that get to do that. A lot of them don't make very much money. I think they feel fulfilled, you know, in in their soul. But there are other things too. I mean, you you know, I look at my actor friends. They're on stage an hour a night, and it's pretty glamorous. And you you get a standing ovation as you walk as you finish doing your job for the day. Most of us don't get that. That's pretty cool. <laughs> but they're also you know they might be struggling to pay the mortgage, or they might be. Uh, the, you don't see the less glamorous side of it where they're filling out grants desperately trying to get funding yeah. for their next show or or you know they're they're serving at a restaurant to try to put two nickels together or they're auditioning and getting turned down like there's a there's a whole different side of people's lives that you don't see and especially these days i guess in the age of social media you're sort of seeing the really sort of glamorous you're seeing the best parts of everybody's life Absolutely. in some ways, and i think right? every, everyone's sort of trained to hmm. to present the best parts of themselves aren't they that's kind of how uh, you know, the the social media temptation is always to do that definitely right? and and part of what i even wanted to just do on, on my podcast with which had sort of a fairly casual and, and intimate vibe was not be afraid to dig into some of those more vulnerable areas where it was like i don't have to pretend that i've got it all figured out here yeah. i mean like you know hey yeah. i got laid off last week it's yeah. kind of an interesting place you're catching me at here this mm. is whoa i've worked for the same place for 10 years I'm not sure what I'm going to do next. Like, yeah. and uh, you know, being allowed to explore that a little bit and how that felt, and that was kind of uh, refreshing because I'm not necessarily naturally so like that, where I'm just like open with all my emotions yeah, and how yeah, I feel. Yeah. So it was sort of a sort of a neat uh, personal journey to go on to be willing to explore some of that stuff in front of a, an audience. You know? And podcasting. I mean, I'm very new to making podcasts, but you know, have listened to podcasts for a long time. But it's quite an interesting medium in that. It's full of contradictions, isn't it? Like you make it, 
in your little bedroom or studio or wherever you are, but then it's global and goes around the world. And so it kind of feels very intimate, but is actually a very public broadcasting platform at the same time. Yeah, that was definitely one of the trippiest parts of it. I love mm-hmm. that. I was, I was doing it in my home studio, which is a room in my house. And then, you know, I'm checking my stats and seeing I'm getting listeners from Scotland and Brazil and Mexico and all these different parts of the states and and you're going, geez, how are these places? You said the Marshall Islands. The Marshall Islands, huge listenership in the Marshall Islands. (laughs) You know, I mean, there's probably like 20 people, but that's a significant, uh, you know, percentage. So uh, it's just it's wonderful. You don't know, as you say, you know, you don't know where these listens are going to come in. Well, even you were saying you're. Your uh, assistant, assistant in, yeah, yeah. somehow stumbled Brighton onto Brighton in the UK was, yeah. was listening away. So. I mean, how cool is that? And here we are, you know? And Absolutely. now I'm going to be listening to yours in <laughs> Toronto. So it's pretty cool. Cool. Um, yeah. so, so what were you doing? Your job that you were at for 10 years, then you got laid off. What, were you, what was that job? What were you doing in, in the job? So I come from, uh, I, well, I did uh, uh, an undergrad in philosophy. Uh, okay. And so I was very good at rhapsodizing about you know sitting and going why and then I realized I needed something uh sort of practical to to complement that after so I got a postgrad in journalism and uh so I was in the journalism racket for a few years I was doing sports journalism for about five years okay uh, a couple of years in television a couple years in digital and that was awesome I mean I would get paid to watch hockey games which I might have been watching anyway (laughs) and making highlight packs out of them so very cool gig for for somebody who's just out of college for sure Uh, predominantly like late nights and weekends right so and an inconsistent schedule so after that I I sort of moved over to um, more of a regular daytime kind of schedule still within the media world online media and I was doing that for about the last five and then in this past November they uh, they chopped about uh, 380 people in Toronto, Montreal, and I was one of them. Uh, it was a little easier not to take it too personally when it's that many people, right. and there were some other yeah. like you know great folks that were part of the same the same cut. So, so the email didn't so. go around going, "We've decided to lose Matt." <laughs> no, it was not a mass circulated uh, email to the whole company just about me. But uh, so I mean, that's that's definitely been interesting. You know, uh, uh, as I'm sort of figuring out what the next chapter is going to be, it's yeah. like, do I want to jump back into that world? That's where my experience is that's where my education is or do I want to you know I'm at this interesting fork in the road except there's about a thousand yeah a thousand forks you, so you're an interesting fork now yeah. you're obviously at an interesting fork the day you find out you're being made redundant so yeah. tell me about that like what what, what were your emotions around that time you know it's interesting I I was probably about the calmest layoff in the history of <laughs> in the history of layoffs I, I sort of uh, I mean, th- there had been a fair bit of, you know, I think we sort of knew that something big was coming, so it wasn't like it was completely out of the blue. I knew there was a chance that would happen. But it's certainly an interesting thing when you find yourself in that seat, because you've seen it in movies, and you've mm. seen, you know, and then, yeah, you hear those words, and here's your thing, and I, I don't know, I I, I, uh, I can't say that I felt terrible. I, I sort of actually felt right away like, oh, this might be a chance to do something really neat. And, and I'm being given a, a, a rare opportunity here, sort of in my mid-30s, to take a step back and reconsider what exactly it is I want to do with the rest of my life. So, so I wasn't particularly devastated. I mean, I thought, well, I, I really like the people, but I'll still be able to hang out with them and go for a beer anytime. Yeah. And now I have this chance to, to have a completely uh, clean slate. So almost like right away. Degree came yeah, I think that must right. have been kind of useful at that time, yeah. right? So I was walking up the street at 10 a.m. on a on a Monday, holding a box, 
and it was a beautiful sunny November day <laughs> and I honestly was kind of in a pretty good place yeah strange as that might sound I, I, I swear you know and Amy picked me up from the subway station and I remember she sort of smiled at me from the car and I jumped and I clicked my heels in the air <laughs> because I thought hey this is this could this could be something neat and I think that's still yet to be determined whether it will be. I very much enjoyed the last few months, I must say. I, that's the danger. I'm getting a little too used to this retirement thing. <laughs> it's a lot of sweatpants, a lot of shuffleboard. I'm eating at 4.30 every day. It's it, getting very comfortable with this. So it's going to be hard to go back somewhere. <laughs> but, uh, you know, so far so good. It's been a nice chance to step back. We just went on a little vacay to Portugal and England cool. and, you know, get a little perspective, right? And yeah. sort of just come back, get a system reset, sort of had a refresh. And now I feel like I'm ready to to jump back in to whatever that's going to be. That's yeah. the- although, although um, you know, when people go on vacation from the US and Canada to, to the UK, uh, they don't generally go to Leeds and Manchester. You're saying that. <laughs> There's, there's yes. Spots. Well, we have some, Oxford and London, but yeah, yeah, I know we we have some family connections that were sort of the lead over there. And by the way, and Leeds and Manchester were they were awesome. Yeah, they were really really cool. And uh, you know, and then once we were over there, I mean, that's the thing. It's such a it's we're far away from everything over here. You know, so once you're over, then it's fun because you can yeah. kind of jump around. And we went yeah, down yeah. to Portugal and we had a, we had a great time. But uh, I mean, and I've been to the to the UK a few times, and we've been to you know Edinburgh, and like yeah, it's right. it's fantastic. Yeah. But it was a nice chance to get away, and you know, you sort of step outside your normal daily routine, and it just allows you to get some context on your own life, see how see how you know some other people live, see how some other cultures live, and that's always fascinating. And just learning about the history and learning about the the way of life, and then you come back, and you hope to carry some of those things home with you, and sort of yeah. keep in that vacation headspace a little bit, where you're like, oh yeah, you know, things are pretty good here. Let's just Let's just be chill. And, and it doesn't mean you can't be driven or work hard, but sort of just keeping that, that relaxed mentality going as long as you can, which inevitably goes away after about a week or That's so. Right, but yeah, three days. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, not coming back to an office yeah. job this time has been yeah, an interesting that, change. Sure that helps. Yeah. Uh, what did you take back, particularly from Leeds and Manchester? Just as a Brit, I'm kind of curious to know. <laughs> yeah, I, I think there's a certain uh, kinship sometimes between Canadians and Brits. I mean, first mm-hmm. of all, we still have the queen on our $20 <laughs> bill. I don't necessarily know why, but, you know, uh, she's there. Uh, so, but I do think there's, there's a certain, kinship i mean i i you know when whenever we go there i find people are very friendly and i I sort of like the sense of humor and the dry sense of humor and i think people it's almost like you feel like a little brother or little sister going over like people like get in here you little rapscallion giving you you know the knuckles on the head like um but i mean we met i I just love meeting all the interesting people for me it's like the smaller things on vacay like yeah it's cool to go to museums and it's cool to go to galleries and stuff but really i love the the day-to-day minutiae like i love seeing like a shopkeeper opening his shop or you know uh somebody just sort of sweeping the street or putting their laundry out on their clothesline like all those little just those little pieces of the culture that all add up to the greater picture that's the stuff I really sort of enjoy when I'm when I'm on vacay and yeah. and, and just also well you know I, I mean I found it interesting always being in Britain it's like uh, I think you appreciate as a Canadian when you come back home like we have a lot of space here and things are kind of bigger and you know it's like you go over there the washing machine is in the kitchen <laughs> for some reason and it's also the dryer and that blew my mind if I'm like what it's or there just isn't a dryer and I'm like oh yeah. that's interesting you know um just little funny quirky little cultural obviously like football is on and on the television everywhere over there and you know i mean there's little little cultural differences but i feel like the the personalities and the people i mean i it clicks pretty well when i go over there i I don't feel like it's a huge leap you know culturally i feel like you can kind of just fit right in that's a nice feeling 
Yeah, I think um, my take on that is that I think Brits and Canadians definitely both share that sort of dry sense of humour, which really comes through on your podcast, by the way. Oh, thank you. Little, uh, <laughs> yeah. Dry humour jokes I really appreciate. Um, but I, I think Canadians are super nice compared to British people. Do you? <laughs> yeah, that's what some so. of the other Brits said. They were like, yeah, yeah. right. I was like, no, I really feel like people are friendly over here. But that's that's the stereotype of Canadians, yeah. which is a pretty good stereotype to have. I like that. Um, you know, there's the cartoon of the lemmings walking off the cliff. And right. one lemming has a speech all saying, no, after you. And they're like, no, after you. <laughs> you know, that, that, yeah. that, is, that is Canada to me. And many, many yeah, times. well, sometimes you do catch yourself apologizing for something that they're, you're like, wait, why was I saying sorry for that? There's no reason to yeah. say so. Well, who was the comedian? Somebody said, "Leave it to leave it to uh, Justin Bieber, you know, the Canadian music superstar, to have a hit song called called Sorry." Of course, it seems very fitting. Right? I don't remember who said that, but that was a good line. So, your recent decision to stop doing the podcast and to focus energy and attention onto job hunting and career and stuff. So, there's an interesting dynamic in there, which is that. Obviously, going and getting a job where someone else defines the role and someone else defines what you need to create, you know, there, there's there's something nice about having that. But then it seems like for the last six months, you've been defining, certainly with this podcast, you know, what you're going to deliver and when you're going to deliver it and all that kind of thing. So it sort of strikes me that you're well set up to be a freelancer or a musician or something along that kind of route. Is that something where the world's changing? Is it is it becoming easier for you to define your own work and create your own work? And like, if that's the case, why would you not do more of that than go and get a job? These are awesome questions. I feel like I should like lie down on the couch. You can charge me one hundred twenty five dollars an hour. We'll get real deep. Um, no, I mean those are fantastic questions, and I think that's exactly the crossroads that I'm at right now. Mm. You know, to your point, it's like part of the idea of the podcast was I was completely independent. You know, I recorded. I've been in bands and I love being in bands. And the funny thing is I'm actually a very collaborative person by nature. Yeah. Um, but what, what was, you know, ideal about this setup for me was I can record on my schedule whenever I feel like it, yeah. whenever I'm feeling inspired, I've got everything here and I don't have to, you know, be on anybody else's sked or if someone else can't make it or it's just not clicking that day. Like that was what I dug about it. And so what you just asked is sort of exactly what I'm, staring down right now as the big mm. life question is, you know, do I have the, the guts to sort of make that leap of faith and, you know, try to be, try to be an entrepreneur, try to be my own, my own business, try to go, you know, there are so many different uh, positions available potentially to a, to a musician or, you know, to a, to a host. So why would I necessarily want to just jump back into that big structure where, yeah, you do have a boss and you do have a set work week. And I don't, necessarily know the answer to that except i mean it's interesting you know you, you get programmed from a pretty young age to think that that's the progression right yeah. it's like go to school maybe go to some more school get good grades get good grades go to university and yeah. so on and so forth yeah. and pick a program yeah. and and you know i've realized that you know as i've gotten older it's like what you choose in school if you're going to follow that sort of thing that you're told you should, it really does determine yeah sort of where you're going to end up because that's the degree you have and then you work a little bit in that area and that's where your experience and that's where your where your education is so it really does dictate that unless as you say you choose that alternative path where you're sort of jumping off and saying okay no i don't need to go that that mainstream route i'm going to try to do something myself here and I you think, did philosophy and ideas sociology so both of us uh you know <laughs> we then have to define the path a bit later right? yeah exactly exactly <laughs> which i'm very i wouldn't change a thing right nor I mean, would i man i agree 100 yeah. percent so I think that's exactly, you catch me at the at a very interesting point in my life where that's precisely the thing I'm mm. looking at at this exact, you know, moment is, is that it looks like I have sort of have these two different paths in front of me and one is riskier, 
But it might, I mean, my headspace lately, you know, and we, we were doing it on vacation and I've tried to continue it as I get home is to sort of say yes to these different opportunities and see what potential doors open as a result of those. Yeah. So I have a few irons in a few different fires right now, some of which are, are very different than, than the others. And I'm kind of interested to see which one is going to take off. I think I've been maybe almost naively waiting for sort of a eureka moment to happen since this since the unemployment thing where mm. I go, ah, that's it. Or I get a mysterious phone call out of the blue going, hello, we'd like to offer you this or that. And I've Which had some... is the opposite to what you've done with Songs in Seven. Right. Because with Songs in Seven, you haven't waited for the muse to come along and give you a song. You said, I'm going to do something, you know, and you've, you've taken the action every week and set the deadlines and stuff. So what do you think I should do? Well, I want to know uh, why the entrepreneurship freelance side is scary for someone who is very capable of producing stuff on their own. So where's the fear? Maybe the fear lies in, you know, having, working for the same company for 10 years, Mm. having a steady paycheck every two weeks, having benefits, having vacation, having sort of security although as you see even that security is ultimately a bit of a charade isn't it but I I think maybe the the consistency and the stability of those things maybe I got so used to it see I I don't even know if that actually is my natural personality type or not or whether I was just doing it for so long that I got used to it and I became tricked into thinking it was my personality type do I could I envision a parallel universe where out of college I instead you know joined a band and went and did a European tour Sure. Yeah. Um, it wasn't the route that I took. So maybe I was thinking practically even at that age. I was sort of trying to do both at the same time, if I could. I was sort of like, well, I got to keep going to school and I've got to get a job. But mm. on the side, I'm going to have some bands. And I've had some bands that did well, but not that ever broke through. So maybe that's what the answer is. Um, and I, I'm definitely in a period right now where I, I sort of am trying to do a little bit of soul searching because I, I love the idea of doing my own thing. And even if it started as, you know, uh, playing as a session musician or trying to play some clubs on my own as a solo artist and teaching guitar lessons in the meantime to make ends meet or, you know, and maybe being happy with that life of being sort of a little more bohemian and Mm. maybe not making that much money, but feeling pretty happy that when I wake up every day, I'm I'm my own boss and I'm doing exactly what I want to do. Yeah. So, you know, I'll have to report back to you in a month or two and see where (laughs) I'm at. I mean, this is, I'm glad you're sort of, I feel like you've crystallized and sort of articulated into one question sort of the journey I've been going through for the last few months. And I, I hope I'll have a good answer for you, you know, yeah. maybe next time we chat. But right now I'm, I'm very much in the, in the <laughs> middle of that. But, you know, you're certainly, uh, you're, you're raising a great question for me and I have, to, I have to figure out what the answer is. So as you can hear here, I really caught Matt at quite an interesting career crossroads. And I'd love to know what you would do. What would you choose in his situation and why? Um, This was recorded a few weeks ago. I had an email from Matt last week. There's a few things that he has bubbling along in the, I guess, the kind of um, startup, more freelance kind of space. And I think a couple of things bubbling bubbling along, can't say that word, in, you know, the sort of conventional job space. But he's kind of, you know, so he's kind of making progress, but he's basically in the same position he was a few weeks ago. And so uh, I'm sure you can reach out to Matt himself and tell him what you think he should do. But I'd love to know what you think. And I think it's um, often a case with these things of the grass is always greener, right? So I think sometimes when I do workshops and, and, and keynotes and stuff in large organizations and it's a sunny day and you're working with a really intelligent, 
you know, bright bunch of people. You often look around and I think, I sometimes think, oh, I'd love to be part of this team like every day, you know, and I'd love to be in a big organization with its own IT support and a big HR department and the bike to work scheme and big corporate award ceremonies and all that stuff. And then I think about what I would lose by doing that and my team back at the ranch and all those other things. And you think, you know, actually maybe just the grass is always greener. There's probably loads of, um, you know, politics and stuff that was uh, hidden below the surface that, you know, uh, when you see those, when you, when you see any organization on, on, a, on its best day, then you often just kind of miss those things, don't you? So I think maybe just the grass is always greener. If you're in corporate, you look at the, the freelancers and the people striking, you know, striking out on their own, you think, I'd love to be them. And I think, I think if you're the freelancer, sometimes you think, oh, I'd love to have a job where I could just, you know, the ultimate responsibility was, was lying with someone else and ultimately I could switch off a bit more at the end of the day and all that kind of stuff. And maybe all of that's a bit of a fallacy anyway, isn't it, really? Um, but yeah, I, you know, I definitely don't think about these things longer than a couple of minutes, but I think it's also really interesting how we, when we think about those kind of grass is always greener uh, type of setups, it's often around the stories we tell ourselves and comparing our own setups with opposing kind of lifestyles and opposing kind of, you know, it's almost like that Mr. Ben thing. If you remember the Mr. Ben children's show of like, wouldn't it be interesting to be that or to do that or to have a life where I did that? And I think, um, it's one of those, uh, if I had a magic power, it'd be to have like, to just try out like loads of different lives. I just think that would be a really cool thing. Not necessarily to live them all for 40 years, but just to be like Mr. Ben and just, uh, uh, try on different suits that would be cool so before we get back into the podcast a couple of you have emailed me and um, I'm very glad that uh, someone noticed and cared uh, very delicious irony going on here so I'm talking to Matt about the fact that he was for six months shipping a different podcast every single Sunday evening to a deadline and without fail he met that deadline including the week uh, as uh, as you're hearing where he uh, proposed to his now fiance Amy uh, during the podcast. So every week he was kind of getting this thing out, bang on uh, midnight on a Sunday night at the very latest. And this is the first episode where I've missed my own internal deadline. So I've had a few weeks of feeling pretty under the weather. I've been ill, I've been off work and uh, it's been, uh, I mean, it would normally just hang over my head a little bit thinking I've got this deadline and we've been in quite a good rhythm, uh, Mark, my producer and me in terms of, sort of Monday, Tuesday, I get the audio to him. We liaise back and forth on the Wednesday and then Thursday it, it goes up in the morning sort of thing. And of course, it would have to be the week where I'm talking about someone delivering a podcast every week to a deadline it would be the week that I just crumpled in my own uh, deadline uh, system. So um, what I'm going to do is, there's a very nice linkage here as well, is that um, while I was talking to Matt, I uh, got chatting to his fiance Amy, who is a clown. So we're going to put out that episode um, shortly after this one as well. So you haven't had one for a couple of weeks, but you will now get a double dose of Beyond Busy. And uh, it, it kind of feels fitting to put Matt and Amy's podcast out pretty much together. So we'll, we'll do that. Um, so back to Matt and back to the podcast. And um, yeah, as you're going to hear, I just think this is um, such an interesting time that we caught Matt at and uh, really grateful to him for... Uh, for really just opening up and being uh, so honest about his his situation. And uh, let's get back to the conversation with Matt Burt. Um, Amy, your fiancé, uh, what does she think you should do? What, what's the conversation you have with her around it? You know, it, it, it's interesting, Graham, because she was, <clears throat> you know, she she's the one who lives the, the 
actor's life and the performer's life and the freelance life where she mm-hmm. really is her own boss and she works hard and yes there's that part of the job where she's on stage and she's entertaining and making people laugh and that is the super you know um that's the sexy part of the job and then there's the other 90% where she's doing yeah like i said before she's doing grants they're they're working they're getting funding they're you know rehearsing you know several hours a day they're putting together a trailer for this pitch and it you know so she I, I guess the narrative that i always built of our relationship was that she was the performer who was doing the freelance thing with the you know the inconsistent income which sometimes could be good sometimes not so good and i was yeah. i was the rock right. i was the one who had to get the stable yeah. paycheck and go to the normal 9 to 5 job and and you know not not be the breadwinner or anything i just but you know to sort of be the one who held down the consistent gig while she would you know have periods that were very busy and then maybe not so much so that was sort of the narrative i built and i would sometimes sort of bring that up and she'd say well you know if you want to do what i'm doing or if you want to do music you you can do it like <laughs> I, I don't want you i never ever want you to feel like you have to do this because of what i do i want you to feel like you can do whatever you want to do and if we want to be two struggling artists together we can do that and it was so nice you know she was so supportive and i believed her but it was always a hypothetical right for te- for we've been together right. for 13 years it yeah. was always a hypothetical and i believed her but it it was never tested and then this past november when i get laid off it's like okay that is now actually a real thing where I don't have any more excuses. Maybe I was even hiding behind that a bit to not sort of totally pursue my creative dreams was well, I've got to be the mm. I've got to be the stable rock here. And now, you know, I'm in this position where I I don't necessarily have to be and I have this option. I was sort of forced to not be. And now I'm sitting here going, "Oh, well, I guess I I I could do something." And 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 now that now I'm happy to say that now that the reality is that I'm I'm not the rock anymore if I ever was but that I, I don't have the stable job anymore even though it was sort of involuntary that she still has that exact same motto and has said the same thing yeah. it's not like yeah. it was all a bluff and as soon as I'm yeah. out of the gate she goes oh god and the panics you got to go back and get another yeah. corporate gig no she said hey but I still like nice wine <laughs> yeah, exactly yeah so you know uh, that's been that's been neat and not that I expected any anything else but yeah. she's been hey you know yeah. this could be cool like. I think this is a good chance for you to do to do whatever you want, and th- so she's she's on board 100. percent um, And I just need to figure it's it's me who the onus is on now to to uh, to figure out what that's going to be. Yeah, yeah. And if you stripped away that fork in the road decision of go back into full time employment versus create employment for yourself, and just focused on what's the what does success look like? What does happiness look like? What do you want to bring to the world? What does that, what does that mean for you? How would you define that? It's awesomely deep question. Uh, happiness. Uh, I mean, for me, uh, I, you know, being, being with my friends and, and just laughing and spending time with Amy and spending time with my family and some of the, some of the sort of simpler things in life often bring me happiness, I find. <clears throat> I mean, I, I wondered when I had that, you know, when I was working at a nine to five for, for 10 years, essentially, is like, what would life feel like if I didn't have to do this? What would like, life feel like if I just had nothing to do every day when I woke up? Mm. And, and, and interestingly enough, the last few months, I've had that. And now I've felt what that feels like. And I'm glad I have. And it was nice for a little while. And then you start to get sort of restless, not in a bad way. But it's like, I, I, I want to, I, I think, you know, to your question about what is happiness, I, I, I felt when I was doing the podcast, I, I felt so fulfilled that I was creating something from nowhere. Mm. Every week I was creating something from scratch and, and 
showing it to people and sharing it with people. And I've always loved that. I mean, that's why I loved playing in bands and that's why I love doing sometimes some comedic stuff. It's like, just, I love sharing things with people, even if it's just showing them a funny video of something that I saw or if it's something that I made, it doesn't matter. But, um, so, so, I mean, it's so hard to define what happiness is for me, but, uh, I'm generally a pretty up guy. And even, even after I got laid off, I was pretty up right away. And, and so I'm, I'm fortunate in that way. And and I know that is that I typically wake up in a pretty good mood and I'm excited for the day. Mm. So I'm lucky that I'm sort of naturally a pretty happy guy, but I mean, true happiness, you know, when I'm just hanging out with my friends and we're having a great night and we're all laughing, I mean, I appreciate the simple pleasure sometimes where I just go, I really don't think life does get any better than this. There are many moments that I have where I say that, and it might not be the most spectacular seeming moment. It might just be a quiet Thursday night watching Netflix and with a glass of red wine and Amy and the, the pooch is sitting there. And I go, God, I mean, how could it get any better? You know, now a nice day on a dock in the sunshine in Muskoka is pretty sweet too. Um, but, you know, and then, and then the, what was the other question? Not about uh, happiness, but about... Um, Just success. In success. Terms of what do you want to put out into the world? What's so, the, yeah. I mean, success, you know, I, I think for me that that would be creating something that I think is, is uh, a good quality product and, and, and sharing it with people. Mm. You know, I've always, I've, I've loved, I love entertaining. I love hosting. I love making people laugh. I love playing music for people so uh, whether success I mean I don't know how would you define that in, in the sense that is it depends what's important to you I guess like you you need money to to live but I don't know if financial success would be I, I think I could have artistic or creative success and I'd probably feel more fulfilled and it, not that it has to be mutually exclusive from yeah. financial success yeah. but I have I have friends who are you know I think pretty fulfilled doing what they're doing they don't make a lot of money and I have other friends who were making good dough, say, working for a law firm, but the hours were killing them. And they were unhappy because we were at a cottage weekend and they were being told they'd have to fly back to, you know, to their office in Vancouver or that they were answering emails all weekend. Yeah, I know and a couple were, of those people as well. You do, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's sort of part of your yeah. whole shtick, right, is figuring out how to make that more efficient. And so, uh, but I mean, success for me, like, I mean, the podcast was successful in that I, I felt like I was creating something, doing something creative. And then I sort of proved to myself that I can do because I've always been kind of a thinker and I was afraid that I, I wouldn't ever do. I would yeah. just think and analyze yeah. and think of reasons not to do something or make excuses. So for me, that was a success in the sense that I, I, I did. And, you know, what, what success and what happiness will mean from here on in is something that I think you know, I, I'm still defining, but for some reason I feel, mm. I feel comfortable that something's going to hit me. But as you said, it's like, I, I shouldn't really just sit around waiting for something to land. It doesn't usually happen that way. You know, you got to go out and grab it. Yeah. And I'm trying to figure out what it is I want to go out and grab. Yeah. And so I, and then I guess in terms of, um, whether, whether you create something and do something that's being done for a boss, I mean, you could have a boss that really gives you a lot of freedom and autonomy to do things that you really believe in and you could do that as part of a full-time job with security and benefits and all that stuff or you could do that for yourself so i i just wonder is part of that narrative of being the rock the thing that makes you think oh i'm kind of more leaning over that way whereas really if the fulfillment is about putting out something that you believe in you could get that through a boss but would it be easier to get it you know through yourself and through freelance work and the fulfillment i mean Probably. I mean, I, what percentage of the workforce do you think, let's imagine they were magically suddenly independently wealthy. Mm. What percentage of them would keep going to their jobs every day? 
Well, I th- I think a low percentage, but I think a lot. I think you hit on something quite interesting earlier, which is that you you found a way after you'd been laid off to have a sense of purpose and to put something out into the world that had nothing to do with at that stage being paid. And there's probably a whole other podcast in how do you monetize songs in seven and how do you know, because I'm sure that's that's eminently possible. But the fact that you could still feel that sense of fulfillment without having to rock up and, and you know, have the paycheck and all that sort of thing. So I think yeah. a lot of those people who uh, perhaps don't love their jobs, they would find a job of some description, whether that's a job where they're being employed or whether that's a job that they create for themselves or a, a purpose or a thing that they create that becomes their task. I think people would inherently want to do that. I know a couple of people mm. who are financially, you could say, independent who really either who either create those things or really crave those things you know mm. crave having something to do something to keep them interested and stimulated in the world and also something where they feel like they're working towards something meaningful i think meaning is a is a huge part of it i, I suppose but i mean don't you think that if if you what you really want versus what sort of some of the realities of of life are in the sense that you, you have to pay the mortgage, you have to buy groceries, that's got to come from somewhere. <clears throat> and if what your creative passion is, even though down the road it might deliver the money that could pay for those things, if it's not going to do it tomorrow, how, how do you bridge that gap so that you can do what you want when you wake up, but you're still able to take care of the day-to-day expenses? And I think that's maybe explains why a lot of people... Uh, not everybody. I mean, lots of people are fortunate enough to go to a job that they do love and it's exactly what they want to do and they're getting yeah. paid, paid well for yeah. it. But for a lot of people that go to a job, that they don't hate it, but they don't love it. They're not waking up every day and going, yay, I get to go into work today. They're also not going, oh my God, it's going to be awful. It's just sort of their B plus mediocre <laughs> yeah, career. And that probably describes a pretty decent percentage of the workforce. And it's not because they don't have skills or talents or dreams. It's because they need to, to buy dinner. Yeah, I think so. And then I wonder how much of that is the stories that we tell ourselves. I Mm. remember when I was in a a nine to five job, uh, had the regular pay packet and all that kind of thing. We get paid monthly in the UK. You get paid two weekly. Yeah. Yeah. So it's once a month. And so you have that thing where everyone spends the money. So we have, you know, because it's such a long time between paychecks, particularly around like, you know, Christmas time and stuff. Right. Yeah. It's like the last week before the next paycheck comes in for, for a lot of folks, it's like, okay, four more days till payday, yeah, for, yeah. whatever it is. Left. So I had all that and I found that one of the things that held me back the most uh, from having that job to then going freelance and working for myself was just that whole thing, but what would I do in three weeks' time? If I've quit yeah. and then I have nothing coming in in three or four weeks' time, what's going to pay my bills then? And I think sometimes that is... Yeah, of course, for for a lot of people that is a day-to-day reality. But also, I think if you've done the opposite of that for a long time, if you've been freelance for a long time, if you've run your own business for a long time, it sort of falls away. Like, you forget. I think you just forget <laughs> about the idea of that regular pay packet thing. <laughs> and, of course, there's still... I'm not, not saying that there aren't times when freelancers have feast and famine, of course. But I think the nature of it is that you learn to be less in fear I think of needing that drip 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 of the money you just know that things will and that's exactly it right is is I think having those 
at least then you're sort of getting you're, you're getting the feelings, you're getting the highs, you're getting the lows. But I mean, <clears throat> that's exciting and it's interesting that you're on a bit more of a roller coaster uh, than yeah. you know, sort of that steady, just mediocre, right. never really getting too high, never getting too low. Just works okay, money's okay, you know, it's consistent. Yeah. A- as opposed to, but I mean, you have to. I mean, w- well, when you first made that leap, I mean, were you were you scared at you know you're, you're like I'm gonna have to hustle here. This is not yeah. gonna be a regular thing where I have a guaranteed check. I mean, how did that feel? you know, to do that. Scared me shitless. There you completely. go. It was yeah. the the biggest barrier to doing it. And I've had so many conversations with other people I know who are just immensely talented and you know that they have such a lot to offer the world and the world will find a way of paying them for that if they put themselves out there in that way. And that's been the thing that's held them back. And it's like, no, I need the paycheck. No, I need the security. And, <laughs> and now, you know, you, I think you sort of alluded earlier, like security is a little bit of a, security is what you make it security is a bit of a construct i have a big narrative in my head still about security but i just think about security in a in a way differently because my setup is entrepreneur and working for myself rather than thinking about security as being it, for me security is about something that i have to create for myself not and and the same with structure it's the same thing right security and structure are things that as an entrepreneur or a freelancer you have to create for yourself whereas a lot of people look to organizations and employers as that's where I get that well that, so it's so true it. you know and I think that's part of why when I got laid off I wasn't even particularly upset or resentful because they have no obligation to mm. to pay me to do something I'm suckling at the corporate teat and they're choose you know like that's my choice and they can choose to let me go there's no reason they have to do that you know I, I think the idea of of leaping in. Uh, sure, I think we're all afraid, but uh, I think you made a really good point where it's like we have these narratives. There's my dog walking into your microphone. Hey. Cleo. <laughs> Stay here, but that's the beauty of the home interview, right? Um, come here, Pooch. Uh, what were we talking about? Is is uh, we, we do build constructs in our mind. We build narratives. And it's that's interesting because, you know, you could you could work your whole life, work so hard, and then you you, you know, you retire and then you get hit by a bus the next day. And what was it all for? You know, did you relax? Did you enjoy yourself? Did you have a good time? And so these constructs are interesting, and I think we should always take stock of them and sort of challenge them. Go, well, wait, is there a different way to look at things here? Why am I looking at that through a very narrow prism? Like, can I step outside this box? And well, what's a different angle here? What What are the other routes I can take? Yeah. And I think fear dictates a lot for people. Sort of where things are dangerous is where yeah. all the good stuff really is. Yeah. Is when you're willing to take that chance, when you're willing to do something that's a little bit out of your character or outside of your comfort zone or maybe a lot outside of your comfort zone. It's so rewarding. Anytime I've done that in my life, I've found that's where the best stuff comes. Yeah. You know, and it's funny in this age of like digital media and social media and, and social networking, it still is good old fashioned, old school, you know, uh, meeting people and friends of friends and word of mouth and references that really gets things done, I find. Mm. You know, and it's not that that other stuff is useless. It's not, I mean, LinkedIn is great, but it's, it's really, it's not replacing putting your palm Absolutely. in someone else's palm. Yeah, it's complimentary to it, right? Really. It's, it's like you said about your friends who you have who you think are, are talented and have a lot to offer and they sort of stay in this safe, secure zone. And I, I can't remember who this quote is by, but it's something along the lines of, you know, I think what scares us most isn't what we're, what we're not capable of doing it's it's what we we're capable of, of doing right it's absolutely you know geez how much more could i be doing how much more could i be achieving or, or creating that's really what's daunting for us is mm. you know i i was listening to some of your other episodes and just sort of 
reading up on you and and you know you have these questions about sort of what's your greatest fear and I think one of my greatest fears would be that I'm not utilizing certain skills that I have and, and I don't mean that in a way that I'm tooting my own horn I mean if you were great at carpentry it would be a bit of a shame if you weren't if you weren't hammering nails every yeah, day if you weren't absolutely. being a carpenter and and that's that's sort of a waste when people don't use those those talents and that would be probably one of my greatest fears is that I, I sort of didn't really use what I had and I just did other stuff because I felt like I had to yeah and things sort of fell by the wayside that didn't have to that would that would be a shame yeah and I want to just bring you back just before we finish almost yeah. full circle to you so you're just talking there about the some of the best stuff happens in those areas where there's a bit of danger yeah and in terms of the decision to put a podcast out every week with a brand new song there, it feels like there's two things around productivity there that are really big for me uh, one is the constraint that that brings is I only have seven days to make this thing happen and the second one is shipping the thing get it out, getting it out there into the world before it's necessarily perfect that was a huge thing for me about the podcast and, and part of making a seven day deadline was that I had to push something out the door on Sundays and I knew that it wasn't going to be perfect and that was beautiful mm. that was what I loved was that you know I might listen to that song the next day on Monday and go oh you know I'm probably could add a little less reverb on the voice or another oh maybe a guitar part would have been cool there is that the right drum sound you know I mean I tried not to do that too much but certainly if I went back you know I could probably make tweaks if I had and I asked that a couple times on the show like I wonder what this would be like if I had two months to work on these songs where I was spending a year in the studio mm. making an album but that was not the point of the podcast the point was what the point was imperfection the point was was making and creating and getting in the sandbox or you know getting the finger paints and getting messy and, and it was a, it was not just a, a musical or creative thing for me. It was a personal thing where I wanted to prove to myself that I could do that and, and prove that I could sort of get my hands dirty and really put, put in some elbow grease because yeah. I felt like maybe I hadn't been doing that enough. And as you said before, you know, it's very easy to procrastinate. It's very easy to put things off or keep saying you'll do it tomorrow. And I sort of realized that I've been saying a lot of tomorrows and suddenly a lot of tomorrows had gone by. And I thought, what's a way I can guarantee that uh, I stopped saying tomorrow and it's, well, I'm going to, I'm going to force myself to put something out. And so that was extremely valuable on a personal level because stripping away that desire for, for perfection, it's neat because you, yeah. you do it a few times and it's, it, it frees you because you go, Oh, I don't have to be perfect. I, these don't have to be perfect. No one has to be perfect. No, no one is perfect. So why, you know, I mean, sure, I guess you can strive for it, but that's what I, I loved about putting something out every Sunday, sort of whether it was ready or not was that I knew it was going to be imperfect. Um, and what was the first part of your question? Because I thought that was interesting too. Uh, well, the other bit was about constraint, but just before we get yeah. back to constraint, so yeah. with, with perfection, did it change your view of perfection over time? Like, did you get more comfortable with that the more you did it? Is it like a muscle in that, in that sense for you? I guess so. I mean, I, I, I don't think I would... I wasn't uh, even before what I would call a perfectionist um, because I just... I, I don't necessarily think that it's attainable you know for for a human being and I, I wasn't I'm not like a I'm not lazy but I'm not like super duper ambitious and driven where and I I never had that motivator to where I, I didn't have like my whole life like you know you read about a lot of athletes and stuff where people sort of tell them when they're younger like there's no way you'll ever make it kid you're not going anywhere and they sort of fight that their whole life and they use that as like a yeah. motivator they wear yeah. like a chip on their shoulder and then that helps them get win the trophy you know <laughs> and like I, I didn't have that. I had a pretty supportive, positive, nurturing environment. And maybe that's why I'm sometimes a, a little bit lazy. But um, so anyway, but I wasn't I wasn't striving for perfection. But I think the podcast helped cement that, you know, just do something, have fun doing it. 
it gives you something to do. It gives people something to listen to. You know, it gives people something to be hopefully entertained by. And if a part of part of the appeal, hopefully, of the show, and from what I've heard from some feedback, is that it wasn't necessarily super duper polished. It was fairly casual. It was fairly loose and relaxed. A lot of people, you know, were really kind and wrote in and said, it sort of feels like I just have a friend sitting in the car next to me on the way into work. That's the, that's the feel I got from it. It's like, I'm, I'm in your house with you. Like, it's very, you know, and I think podcasting can do that. Just giving, you know, just give people that sense of intimacy of, you know, they're sort of following, not only they're in your house, but they're following your life through that because it's so regular putting something out every week. Yeah. And, and that was sort of like one of the highest compliments I could get, I thought, because I, I wasn't planning to put out a, a really polished produced show you know and I didn't have by by design I didn't have the time to so I knew this was going to be a pretty intimate uh, but casual affair mm-hmm. and and you know that sort of ended up working out pretty well for me luckily and people yeah. seemed to be uh, attracted to that which was cool but and that was part of the the constraints thing was just putting those constraints on myself was was extremely effective oddly enough it was very freeing to have constraints which seems kind of ironic but it was like it really it forced me to create as opposed to you know because I was getting things done at work yeah at my nine-to-five job I was yeah. never missing a deadline at work mm-hmm. I had hard deadlines at work and I had to hit them and I always did and so I sort of had a mo- eureka moment where I went well why am I not creating deadlines for myself and my own passions outside of work and then hitting those that's cool because as a journalist that's that's how, how you live isn't it like you know in, in, in media it's all about here's the deadline and to the second put something out even yeah. if it's some less than perfect in that environment too right it, absolutely exactly you you would never go to air and it just goes to black and you, you would never not have something ready you can't say to your boss no i don't have the piece it'll be ready in half an hour but it'll be a lot better no you have something on air so yeah as you say you know i transferred yeah. that mentality over to this project yeah. so that so that's why i think it wasn't a huge complex for me to overcome mm. it was like i'm gonna i'm gonna push something out the door and when broadcast time comes there's gonna be something ready and on the air nice yeah that's cool yeah man <laughs> it was it was a lot of fun. It's definitely the most fulfilling thing I've ever done yeah. creatively, and I I'm you know hoping that there will be a, another chapter just in some other form coming up soon. So you've done 28 episodes of Songs and Seven. On the last one, there's that bit where you're talking about there's going to be some other podcast or some other thing, and you're still figuring that out. Do you see that there could be like a series two of Songs and Seven? Would you start it up again and do? I've had a few people ask say, about yeah. that. They're like, "Why you don't have to go on permanent?" Yeah. hiatus you could have a, you could have a little break in the new season two have a little break in the new season three and i hadn't really thought about that but uh sort of a number of people have reached out about that idea and it's funny how many emails i sort of was getting the first couple of mondays after i stopped it going like hey normally i'd be listening to yeah. it right now i'm kind of <laughs> craving it i'm having a withdrawal here which is how does you know, that make you feel that must be sort of gutting in a way isn't it like oh, yeah it's you know, very bittersweet for your thing and yeah it's not there. like it's a compliment and I'm, yeah. it's very flattering but then it's also like a little like you know like yeah I, I mean it was very bittersweet and of course I had mixed emotions it was just it, it was I feel bad saying it was a lot of work each week because it's like yeah so what so it should be a lot of work yeah. and you should do a lot of work <laughs> so that sounds extremely lazy yeah. but I think again you know it's like it comes back to the thing of like I guess if it, if it had been paying the bills uh but that sounds so bad and i'm not even really all about that it's but it's like i I guess the amount of time the amount of mental energy and focus and the amount of actual physical you know hours spent on it equaled like is this this is so fulfilling for me and satisfying but is this the best way practically speaking that i should be using my time right now and i guess eventually i i said not necessarily and maybe i felt like i wanted to sort of get back on my feet in a job situation before i jumped back to a thing that was creative and fulfilling but not making me any dough yeah and so 
yeah, I mean, what I could, I would definitely consider doing another season, but I also have a couple of other little uh, ideas crackling around there, some of which would involve video and stuff like that. So okay. we're taking it to that, yeah. that place. So, I mean, yeah, you've given me a lot to... Uh, <laughs> A lot to take away here. Well, glad to be of service yeah, in, man. in that respect. And then finally, just to talk productivity, I think the, you know, just just the idea of the setup that you created around that and putting something out once a week, I think is inherently something that uh, says to me that you're thinking about productivity. Do you have other, what are your other sort of productivity tips or like what are the things that you... Uh, think about around productivity is important to you sure so uh, yeah so number one i think that's a huge one is to create external deadlines for yourself that and that are literally not optional because there's some kind of accountability there because if you just put a little note in your calendar and say oh by next friday i'll do this thing and then you don't do it and you let yourself off the hook it may as well not be there so there needs to be some sense of accountability for sure and maybe have someone someone else who you have to be accountable to who really will you know uh, enforce that I've written some blog posts about that myself I call yeah. it um, create create a deadline but in someone else's world I think uh, that's you know giving it giving it to someone else so they're relying on you and creates that account I like that yeah. and that's exactly it same, same idea and, and you know I know you're big on uh, you know sort of inbox management and stuff like that which is interesting because I'm you know I I think that's something that we all uh, struggle with these days uh, you know is as you say, you know, in your book, it's like there's a constant flow of communication coming your way. It didn't used to be that way. It used to be that you would leave the office and that was that and you'd deal with other stuff when you came in the next day at nine o'clock. So now in this age where anybody can be reached at any time through so many different mediums, I think it's a little bit about being disciplined about that and, and you know, pulling away and maybe maybe not always being completely accessible 24-7. Maybe, maybe you set a time for yourself where you check your email or, um, and, you, and you know, you let people know that so that they're not wondering why you're not writing back 10 minutes later, but creating your own boundaries, whatever is comfortable for you uh, and feels good. Uh, I was at a brunch the other day and I looked over uh, at the, the table beside me and there were two people about my age, you know, early mid thirties, and they were both on their phones for the entire breakfast and mm. they barely said a word to each other. Yeah. And I wasn't judging them, but I just thought I was just observationally. I was like, how fascinating is that? Like, why are you even out here sharing this experience together at this restaurant? You, and, and I sort of just snuck a peek and it wasn't even anything particularly important. I think he was watching like a Simpsons video on Instagram and she was maybe <laughs> texting somebody and it's sort of like, I guess you want to be with everybody who isn't here with you right now. But for me, it's, it's very much about being present, being with the person I'm with, yeah. being with the people I'm with in the space where I am. Um, I think that's actually very helpful for productivity because then you're being present, you know, and, and then when it's time to check email and when it's time to be productive, you're present in that. And, and maybe you plow through and respond to 10 messages in an hour. Which uh, is, by the way, the opposite to how most people deal with email. You yes. have email open in the background yes. and you're not present with email. It's not present with you. You're doing something else and it's there. Yeah. And it means you're not present on the other thing either because email's interrupting that and Yeah, it's sort of the myth of multitasking where yeah. it's like you're not really doing three things at once, you're doing one thing one at a time in three yeah. different places and you're actually more scattered. And you're switching between them which is just suboptimal, right? Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, uh, yeah, the external deadlines uh, managing your email and this I mean, whatever works for you though. Like I do tend to like to write people back um, you know fairly quickly if, if I can but if you just have this thing constantly vibrating in your pocket it's like 
how are you ever really truly going to be free from that? So I think just giving yourself the ability to step away. Maybe it's okay to not answer an email right away. Maybe it's okay to not answer your phone. Maybe it's okay to not always be reachable. We weren't, you know, 10, 15 years ago. And now that we are, you know, not to be a complete downer, I think that brings a lot of interesting, positive things, you know, that are fantastic that we didn't have 10 years ago. But sort of having the ability to access it is great. But knowing that you, you control when you can and when you want to and when you should, that's, that's where the freedom lies. Absolutely. Um, well, listen, it's been just fascinating talking. And, uh, it's been a pleasure, man. I would love to be able to come back in because I'm doing all of these uh, conversations face-to-face. So um, I'm hoping that either I'm back in Canada in the next two or three months or you're in the UK in the next two or three months so we can have part two in the installment. I'd love to do a follow-up. Which fork in the road you took. Uh, so we should definitely um, reconnect and think about that. That would and be awesome. Before we finish, so two things. Uh, firstly, how can people connect with you and find you and, and just uh, give us the sort of plug for the podcast and everything else? Shameless self-promotion. Yeah. Okay. And, then, and then the second thing is, what, what are you doing the rest of the day? The rest of the day? Yeah. Okay, great. So yeah. if you want to reach me, I would say uh, check out songsin7.com, all spelled out, or you can go into the iTunes store and search for Songs in 7 there. The good news is you can just like binge listen all 28 episodes <laughs> right now and, uh, you know, shoot me a line. Let me know what you think. Uh, send me some feedback. Um, and that would be awesome. And uh, what am I doing the rest of the day? You know, I kind of cleared it for you. Like this is oh, this was you. this was my main. Event. Remember too, I I am a retired man now, so I have <laughs> uh, you know dinner at the club later at four, and uh, uh, I'm I'm pretty. It's it's pretty open the rest of the day. I've got some domestic chores to do, and nothing too pressing. You know, we can chat for another four hours if you want. I really, um, I I actually am probably just going to take the dog for a walk and clean the place up a little bit and have some dinner and have a nice relaxing evening with with my fiance cool uh yeah man and uh, hopefully these people the workmen in the road who are relaying the road outside your house will be clocking off pretty soon it's been a lot of construction it's been about four or five months it's short-term pain for long-term gain it's right. gonna look great out here in a couple yeah. of months but right now there's a lot of beeping and digging going on but that's <laughs> that's okay i can i can work with that yeah. Cool. Maybe well, I'll join these guys. Actually, you know, maybe I should just. That'd be good. I'll be outside working manual labor. I've done that before. It's it's fun. You know, it's a different kind of work. And we'll talk to these guys after. Yeah, you never know. I think we solved it. I think we solved it right here. <laughs> what a great way to wrap things up, man. <laughs> So thanks again to Matt Burt, and what a fantastic conversation. I think it's it was so interesting to catch him at that career crossroads. And the other thing is what a listenable voice Matt has. Like he, I mean, you know, just a, a lovely manner about him as well, but just like a really uh, lovely accent. So I think if you, uh, yeah, like if you if you're, if you're in any any doubt from me about where I think Matt should go next in his career, I think it should be something where people get to listen to his voice regularly on radio, on a podcast, wherever. And I love I love the podcast as well. Uh, so yeah, uh, thanks again to Matt. We will put uh, Matt's fiance Amy Lee. Uh, we'll put that podcast out in the next few days as well, which will get us a bit more back on track after my illness. Uh, it feels fitting to put the two of them out pretty close together. So watch out for that one over the coming days. That'll get me pretty much back on, on track and then I'll be back on my sort of every two week routine thing. If you want to find out more about Matt, uh, you can go to songsin7.com, songsin7.com, where you can download all the different episodes 
And we'll put the proposal episode where Matt proposes to Amy in the show notes, which you'll find at getbeyondbusy.com, getbeyondbusy.com. And if you want to email me, graham at thinkproductive.co.uk and on the Twitter, just at Graham Alcott. Please subscribe and tell your friends. And if you want to check out my book, it's called How to Be a Productivity Ninja. And my company is Think Productive. So we run workshops for corporations, organizations, charities, government bodies uh, in the UK, US, Canada, Australia, Western Europe, and pretty much anywhere else that uh, we can fly to as well. Um, So Amy's episode will be out shortly and then another episode two weeks after that. Until then, thanks again for tuning in to Beyond Busy and I'll see you next time. Bye for now.